again. This is Charlie Belfontaine, and you're listening to the Home Buyer's Hour on WCPT AM 820. I want to thank our guest for being in the studio with us. I'm going to introduce her in a little bit. First of all, I want to go ahead and introduce one of our co-hosts. Um, the first one, Vince Arricchio of Arricchio Law Offices. He's not going to be with us today, and we're going to miss him. But more importantly, I have the, and these are his words, not mine, the okayest mortgage broker on the face of this earth. His name is Joey Matthews of the First Federal Savings Bank. Joey, give us a little hello, please. Hey, what's going on, guys? World's, world's okayest mortgage guy. Uh, yeah, so Joey Matthews, NMLS 1330694. Uh, just happy to be here. Another beautiful Wednesday morning in Chicagoland with some light rain coming down. Uh yeah, but uh, yeah, just happy to be here. Thanks for another beautiful week, Charlie. Oh, no lie. I enjoy this stuff as much, and especially with our guest here. So our guest is kind of a special person, a pretty successful person, if you think about it. Um, I did a little stalking on her, and I started reading a bunch of her reviews and stuff. And there's a few common denominators that I found from her past clients. Uh, Mostly it's she's knowledgeable about the current market. She's well-organized. She always has your best interest in mind. And you know how we feel about client advocacy and how important that is on this show. And these are the people that we want to bring in here. Her name is Katie O'Leary, and she is the managing broker of the Katie O'Leary Collection, which is part of, you work under the main brokerage of Jameson. Sotheby. Sotheby, that's it. I always have trouble with that second word. (laughs) We're very happy to have you here. And Katie, please tell us a little bit about you, your company, and some projects that are going on. Wonderful. So I'm delighted to be here too. Joey, I want to say you have a voice for radio. Doesn't I he? I don't know if you have a face for radio because I've never I have seen a face you. for radio, I promise okay, you. Good. I got the face. <laughs> yeah. But you certainly have a voice for radio. So um, I'm, I'm delighted to be here. So thank you for taking the time to speak with me this morning. Uh, one clarification I'm not a managing broker, Forgive I am me. just a, a, a real estate. Agent, sales agent, broker, and I work okay. uh, under the Jameson Sotheby's International Realty Brokerage. So no. my managing broker is Jim Miller. He's outstanding. But uh, yes, I am the founder and run my own uh, business. And uh, my business is focused in the upper market. I do a lot in uh, Lincoln Park and surrounding neighborhoods and have spent the last couple years really being the driving force for sales for a very special building called the Orchard private residences. And I want to go into greater detail about that building as well. Um, And and you're, you know, forgive me. I know we had this conversation a little bit earlier about, you know, building a team and having other people work with you. Um, And, and, you know, as you were talking about all that, I'm going to tell you, I was kind of amazed. Um, I I don't have that ability to juggle all the things that you do and, and do it alone. And I think we have one thing in common where we want to start doing, um, delegating you know getting other people to do other things for us and it just helps us focus more attention on our clients is that a fair statement sure and you know there's you can define it's kind of defines what is is right so um, i certainly have people who work with me very closely so uh, on the orchard project there's an on-site salesperson uh, who's outstanding we have a development team uh, that is very well regarded at uh, Jameson Sotheby's. It helps on that project. Outside of that, in my own business, outside of the orchard, I have people I actually pay at the office to help me on transactions and some marketing execution. And we are in an outsourced economy. Uh, COVID certainly accelerated that. I think the younger generation of kids coming up certainly want to have that flexibility in their yeah. schedules. So I have some great marketing uh, people, business development nice. people. Uh, I enlist to help me on my business front in terms of marketing listings as well as generating new business opportunities. Well, you brought it up a couple of times. I want to hear more about this orchard building. How many units, how big, price ranges? Give us as much as you can. Sure. Uh, so it's a 32-unit building. Uh, it's uh, located at 2350 North Orchard in the heart of, of Lincoln Park, and it is a brand-new development. It is the uh, uh, final piece of a $500 million multi-year collaboration between two well-regarded developers, Heinz and McCaffrey. Uh, the Orchard is very special for a number of reasons. The level of finish and features is really uh, unique and distinct in the market. So certainly the finest building that's ever been conceptualized and developed on the north side of the city. And so uh, 
you know, a couple highlights. Christopher Peacock Kitchens. Christopher Peacock is an inheritance quality brand, furniture quality uh, cabinetry that uh, is highly custom. Uh, the market knows it, the upper market knows it in single family homes in Chicago, but it's the first time a developer has uh, worked and collaborated with Christopher Peacock for selling it in a, in a condo product. Uh, custom level finishes in terms of profile of crown moldings and cased openings and trim nice. uh, and the like. And I could go on and on. Very sophisticated uh, heating cooling systems, uh, elevators that open directly into You're homes. You're going to have to go into more detail about the heating cooling <laughs> systems. I mean, <laughs> quite don't. frankly, that's home inspection porn. I, I'm going to, you know, yeah, I love I'm that sure. stuff. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, a couple of unique features is that these, all these homes have, uh, they have uh, private entries, private elevator entries. They have private outdoor space with recessed heaters and lighting. So in an age, and especially uh, that was, um, I think, accentuated by, by COVID, but in terms of the people's yearning for privacy and comfort and security, we delivered on all those fronts. And it's just a beautiful product. So nice. it's done well. So, yeah. No, I love it. So is this a 32-story building then? No, no, 32 units. 32, 32 units. 32 units. Small. It's just a, it's a boutique building. So, right. you know, average uh, size home is about 2,800 square feet, three that's, bedroom. That's big for a condo. That's not small. Sure. No, these are these mm. are lovely. These are these are elegant, gracious, single floor living homes in okay. the heart of Lincoln Park. And a, a project like this, a building like this didn't exist before the orchard was built. But it's only seven stories. Only huh? seven stories. Yeah. So. So seven stories. So basically five units per floor, roughly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's, it is in, like, where the Lincoln Park Zoo is. 23-something north is basically 2,400, which is Fullerton. And then how far off the lake is Orchard? About a half mile. Okay. So it's at the intersection, and everyone who's driven along Lincoln Park knows this intersection, of Fullerton, Halstead, and Lincoln. We're east of that on Orchard it. Street across from a beautiful church and mm. you know, tr typical tree-lined street of, of Lincoln Park. And did you mention how much those units are going for? <laughs> they're, you know, they're certainly upper market. So average price point in that building is about $2.8 So, Joey, how many firemen do we have to get to move into <laughs> a, a building in that price range? I can think of two. Two firemen. Okay. <laughs> they must be, they must be very firemen. They must be very, very skilled at what they do, right? Or overpaid, one of the two. <laughs> you know, they got one heck of a good pension and stuff like that going on. Um, Joey, how many times do you write mortgages or well, i guess you know, if you're in that if you're in that uh, price range you probably don't even get too many mortgages unless you want to just keep the money for leveraging something yeah else. people have been people i mean they've got private uh you know private wealth people are definitely writing mortgages there but yeah. i mean we can certainly pivot i mean i think you know we come back to the orchard and if people have questions about it great we can we can address them uh, but my business isn't just you know i'm talking about home buyers and so forth my yeah. business isn't just serving that you know upper echelon you well, know, what else is, is your business? Tell so, me more. I, as I mentioned, I do a, I do a lot in the neighborhood. Uh, I work, you know, more with sellers than buyers, but certainly with buyers and across all price points. My and I appreciate your generous introduction, uh, but it is important. You know, we who are going to be successful and uh, longstanding in in real estate, like mortgage is Joey can attest to this, is it's a relationship-based business. And that word is often used, that term is often used, but it's truly um, necessary and a requisite for having staying power here. So in the years I've been in real estate, uh, 90 plus percent of my business has now been repeat clients and or personal introductions. Mm -hmm. So those relationships matter and, and being considered a strong advisor to my clients, uh, it matters greatly. So. What about the word reputation? Hmm. What do you think of that word? What do I think of it? I mean, obviously, you you have one chance to make a reputation in that first, you know, your first. I love it. Yeah, but you know, we we spoke a little bit about this. You know, yeah. the first time you meet, it's your first. Your impressions are formed pretty quickly upon meeting somebody. Uh, in, so it's your reputation is not only how you represent yourself, but also the people with whom you surround yourself. And and that's why, you know, when people are making introductions, we said this, you make introductions to people, you want to make yourself look good. Right. You know, to f family, friends, colleagues, clients, important people in your life. So you want to trust the people you work with. So Without um, a doubt. You know, yeah. and I always come back in, I look at my side on the home inspection stuff. And whenever we have a real estate agent that refers us, if I do a bad job, I'm going to get caught. There's no hiding it. Once a client moves into that home, they will live in there. They will find out everything that we miss, plain and simple. And if they get mad because I didn't inform them of that, then they're going to get mad at the real estate agent for referring me. 
And that's why my reputation really has to, that's like the most important thing to me. I've always heard about location, location, location. You know, for me, the three most important words in real estate are reputation, reputation, reputation. And that's why I asked that. And Joey actually has three different words. You know? I can't wait. Guidelines, to guidelines, guidelines. Yeah. Know your guidelines. And preparation, Joey. That's a big thing that and you're prepar- on. Well, yeah. No, absolutely. Guidelines is part of preparation. You know, you, you can't properly repair, prepare if you don't know what you're preparing for. So the what guidelines will tell you what you can and can't do. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, you know, in terms of relationships and driving a business by relationships, we're afforded a little bit more of that opportunity as agents, the way our compensation is structured versus a lender. Right. And Joey, I know I'm sure, you know, I'd be curious to know how many of your uh, clients are repeat clients and or referrals from agents, referring agents, referring partners there. Uh, But you have to do a lot more volume. I know there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more need for processes and guidelines and and, and procedures in terms of the role that you play in making a a transaction successful uh, at the end. So uh, how much of your business is uh, relationship based? Oh my gosh. Almost, almost all of it. Uh, it is, there's two styles of uh, mortgage uh, banking or, or being a loan officer. You have consumer direct where you work in a call center. That's not me. I'm i I'm a retail guy. I like to go meet people, talk to people. Uh, that, that, that interaction is, I thrive on that. I love it. So I would say most of my business comes from pre past client referral. And then also, a, a good chunk from uh, realtor relationships, you know, um, as long as you are treating their clients, right. That's all, that's all you guys, you know, that's what you guys care about. You want to make sure that your clients are well taken care of because that's going to be a reflection on you too. So There's yeah, that's uh, don't you think Joey? I mean, you know, I, I always love it when you start going off on preparation, you know, and if you don't mind going to a little detail and I do want to get what's going on in the market right now, financially, in a little bit but you know the the biggest thing i see on you joey is, is you like to do everything up front you know so when you get your what, what's the phrase is that called clear to close or what or, <laughs> or underwriters what is that called so for for me it's uh i want to make sure that i have my pre-guarantee uh ready for a realtor to make an offer on a place right i've never had a uh I've never had a contract fall through for something that was related to an issue with the borrower because I'm always trying to stay three steps ahead of the game. So when I get a new client, you know, I onboard them, I collect everything. I run automated underwriting. If it's an FHA or VA deal, I'm asking one of my processors to, to check cavers. The, uh, it's a reporting system for federal student or federal debt. And, uh, the thing that's important about it is that, debt ages out. So there may be a debt or a judgment that was or a default that happened to someone 20 something years ago. That's no longer reporting to credit, but it's still on the caver system. And if that fires, we have to settle that, that, you know, that lien or that, uh, that default before they can close on FHA or VA, VA deal. So just like all the little things that, that, it is. It, it can absolutely kill a deal, and it happens all the time because people, there's just people that don't want to take the extra time to make sure that their pre-approval is solid, that it is almost like cash. So, yeah, it's it's just, it's really important to me. I don't know what I would ever do if I had a borrower denied for something that was related to them. That would, I put so much weight into this, just it's so important. It's buying a house. It's the biggest thing you're ever going to do. I, if I don't take that seriously, then I'm doing a disservice to everybody and I don't belong in the industry. Man, I, I love hearing stuff like that. So let's uh, tell us about the market now. What's been happening? Last week we talked about the war in Ukraine and gas prices are still going up. I was going yeah. to start doing a U-turn pretty soon. But yeah, what today you happening? So the, the, the bond yield, I know, what, two weeks ago, I, I, I set my own little ceiling at, at a 2.1%. Oh, excuse me, 2.1% yield. It's uh, it's tickling 2.4% already. So okay. uh, why that's important, mortgage-backed securities, they pivot off the 10-year treasury yield. And uh, just the last three, uh, Monday and Tuesday, rates got hammered again. Today's the first day where we're kind of plateauing. So I'm hoping that we're at least 
going to be steady for a little while before the next big set of news comes out. I know Zelensky said that he was willing to meet with Putin to negotiate a possible ceasefire, negotiate a possible truce to end this Ukraine-Russia conflict, which would be great for for fuel prices, I would hope. But the fact of the matter is fuel was going up well before this all started happening. So good point. Uh, there's there's also an issue with uh, Powell and the, the 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 chairman of the Fed. He said that the next time they raise rates, they're looking to do it at 50 bips, so a half point wow. percent oh, raise on the. It's it's bigger than they were planning on. They planned to do it a bunch of quarter point raises, uh, maybe six or seven times throughout the rest of the year. But now he's talking about doing a, a full half point this next time, which is. Uh, it's it's aggressive. It, it it gives me a greater a greater amount of concern for the economy outside of housing. And I want to separate those two things real quick, um, because whenever I talk to people, they're like, "Oh, it's inflated. It's going to burst. It's a bubble." Blah blah blah. But they're not going to back to the basic uh, theory of supply and demand. Right? Demand yeah. is huge, and the the ri- the rising rates. Sure, it might price people out of some markets. But what it's not going to do is kill demand. We have been underbuilding houses for 20 years. We are way, way under what we need to be based on the population. And it's only getting worse. We're, we're 7 million houses short nationally for the demand that we currently have. Wow. And we are not building right now to keep up pace. So next year we may be shorter than this year. So... Joe, I, I don't well, believe. Yes. Question. I mean, this because it's interesting. We were having a conversation about this before this uh, this radio show this morning, just talking about the issue of supply and demand and leverage. Um, I wanted to ask a question of this year, just getting back to the economy and just kind of what the what the uh, outlook is for the remainder of the spring market and heading into summer. What is the purchase application kind of rate? Uh, compared to last year. I mean, last year, I thought oh that the gosh. market in uh, 2021 was very aggressive, uh, very fast paced at every price point uh, from ultra luxury down to first time buyers and trade of buyers. And it t- I tend to do it a little bit of a higher price point uh, in, in, the, in my neighborhoods. But nonetheless, I'm curious if you could weigh in on that. In, in, in terms of actual rate, no. Trying to just, of, I'm sorry. Number of number of purchase mortgage applications. applications. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Way higher than at least for my own business, it has been significantly higher. Uh, even the last year. Last year was crazy. I, I I mean, we saw it on the news. You know, 70 cash offers coming on a single home. Like that, that was happening last year. And this year. If, if not the same as last year, it's, 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 I don't know. It's, it's pretty close. I I'm getting new pre-approvals done multiple times a day. Like it's, it's, it's been, uh, it's been wild. I think there's a lot of people who are now seeing the rates go up and they feel like they're missing out on the opportunity because they were expecting to be able to afford more when all of a sudden this invisible bubble that they thought existed crashed and it's not crashing and now rates are going up and they think they missed the boat. So now they're trying to buy anything they can get on. So yeah, it's uh, I think demand is higher than last year. Personal opinion. Yeah, no, and it could be inventory. I mean, getting back to your point about new construction starts and how, I mean, certainly in the city, you know, where I am is oh, yeah. just a dearth of new single families and it's a challenge. You know, the cost is a supply chains, but the cost to actually build builders would rather sit on the sidelines than, um, than make 8% on all that risk. Uh, you know, so land costs are high, building costs are high. Uh, there's a lack of available land in importantly in the neighborhoods. And I think this is probably a huge challenge. The neighborhoods where these first time and trade up buyers want to live, you know, average price point for a condo in Lincoln Park is about six hundred thousand dollars, six hundred fifty, depending on the month. Uh, certainly higher for single families, one point eight million. But across the city, you know, there's just there's a lack of available options for people and certainly turnkey or attractive options. And I think I've run into that with buyers was so just there's really nothing out there. I, I know we've been busy, you know, with everything that's going on as well. But going on to your point, it's the, you know, I, I, I overheard somebody saying $8 for a two by four. And I don't know if that was a joke or what it was, but that seemed like ridiculous. And I remember it wasn't that long ago where it was less than a buck. You know, when we did our house and remodeled everything else four years ago, we were, I was shocked paying 250 
or a two by four and the prices just keep going up and up and up. But sooner or later, they're going to have to jump back in, don't you think? Unless things come down and that's a that's a gamble. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, um, depending on a price point. So product, I'm calling product condo developments, townhome developments. uh, I know a little bit in the suburbs just because Jameson Sotheby is very involved in new developments. But uh, Product, uh, project in Clarendon Hills is performing very well. It's a great price point, I think under a million dollars. It's a great neighborhood. And yeah, fabulous. But um, there are some developments in the downtown, and I'm going to say downtown, you know, the city of Chicago, where uh, a price point that's attractive is selling uh, pre-construction, which is wow. a little bit unusual. You're yeah. not waiting. Maybe a few years ago, you'd wait and you may have to wait on a single family home pushing a price point in north center or lincoln square that's up to one seven or whatever there might be uh it's at least uh developments well underway before contracts are being written but when contracts are being written off of just concepts you know and price points that are appealing to the market so we're seeing activity in from buyers and even new developments where they're selling pre-construction which is interesting and i know we're seeing a lot of people move into the more depressed neighborhoods and that and that's where a lot of gentrification's coming in there so i see a lot of things going on in woodlawn mm-hmm. uh, bronzeville and stuff like that and, and these are beautiful homes don't get me wrong they're they're amazing you know they come in there but the developers are getting them for a lot less of a price where it comes to it but the cost for the remodeling is still skyrocket that doesn't change anywhere that you live which mm-hmm. is kind of weird well, I mean, new new construction homes, and this just because I have a kind of a pulse on new construction. There's such little amount of inventory out there, but a single family in Humboldt Park, yeah, is pushing a million dollars now. Isn't that amazing? You know, so land. I'm gonna guess, and you know, typical with standard lot, twenty five, one twenty five ish, uh, give or take. You're probably paying well into the three hundreds for that just land. Just for the land. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, you've got a certain. Even if yeah. you're building at a very uh, effective, cost-effective rate, you know, there's still, it's probably in the city, you're still probably paying buck fifty, hundred fifty dollars a foot, you know. Uh, I don't see how you build much less than that. You Should know? I be worried? <laughs> well, I don't know. What do you, it depends on what, what are you holding, you know. That's a, that's a broad, it, people, it's like the yeah. question people ask, how's the market? Right. And you can't answer that question, you know. There's so many sub-markets within a market. There's so many uh, ways to define that depending on what are you, what's your interest. So I'm getting, getting back to being that advisor. You know, what is your interest in the market? You know, because there's certainly, uh, you know, in fact, I was reading something in Cranes this morning. You know, there's always kind of a little bit sometimes the doom and gloom of Chicago. You know, good or bad, Chicago's prices are not accelerating like the rest of the country. The median price across the United States over this morning, average, the median price is up 15 percent, one five percent over last year. And I'm going to guess, where are we at, seven? We're, yeah, we're at seven okay. across Chicagoland, the nine metro you know, area. Yeah. But in the city, uh, we're uh, pretty much flat. No. Yeah, yeah. Really? I yeah. thought those numbers were going way up, especially in like River North, Lincoln Park, Lincoln Square, Lakeview. So you know. again, 60% of the market in the city is condo driven. There are a lot more condos for sale than single family homes or Chicago. So condos are gonna have a, condos downtown are still selling except for the new construction. You know, I'm gonna put an exception there. You know, one Chicago, which is well over a thousand a foot. It's an ultra niche, beautiful product and market. Uh, you know, Tribune Tower, you know, some of these, yeah. most, of the, most of the condos are resale condos in buildings that can be, that were built in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and then, you know, some older walk-ups. But the condo market is still depressed from a standpoint of price downtown Chicago and people certainly came in after the you know 2020 was dead I mean it, I think sales dropped and I'm going off memory now 20 40 percent something drastic in the city center they okay. were strong in Lincoln Park strong in the near neighborhoods yeah. but in the city center for obvious reasons people were home the, the market died it came back at 2020 and there was a lot of volume but they sold it at, at great prices so sellers yeah. took a took a loss and so you still are having a depressing effect on the market as a result of condos downtown. That's interesting. No, that's interesting. Um, I lost my train of thought a little bit, but I wanted to go a little more on, on how you handle these things. So how do you guide somebody through a market like this when there is no inventory? And, you know, and let me clarify that. What I see in my business, we get people that are scheduling home inspections, and then they call me two days later having to cancel because they lost the house. All right. So mm-hmm. they had an agreement. Everything was done. But 
Yeah, somebody else came in and swooped in and took the house away from them. What are some of your your techniques, I think is the right word, to go ahead and get them through a, a tough market like that? It's a competitive. So you're obviously addressing, let's, we're putting on the vantage point of a buyer coming into a market at yeah. a price point. Let's just kind of put the fundamentals around it. I mean, uh, seriously. $700, a $700,000 three-bedroom in Lincoln Park. And the uh, sellers wh- have all the power, right? Yeah, I, the sellers that have an attractive product have the power. Good point. So I will tell you right now, and I'm and I didn't see this at all last year. I am seeing mm-hmm. price reductions on both single-family homes and condos uh, in Lincoln Park and certainly other markets that are ahead of the market. That's a, a euphemism for being overpriced. You know, a little bit ahead of the market, given <laughs> the age, the features, the finishes, the, the market appeal. The property is not meeting the expectations of the buyer. So people aren't what? making offers, and I will say. Certainly, it'll, it'll air on Saturday. Right now, it's on Facebook Live. <laughs> Joey, oh, <laughs> I, Joey was com- a little side comment from Joey, but yeah. yes, I apologize. No, I just got to ask a question. I, I thought I was muted. No, that's, that's all a, good. no, no worries, no worries at all. So, yeah, I mean, Joey, you're you're well aware of this. You, you're coming in. You obviously have to have a very strong. Uh, you want to have a lender partner that's going to get it done. Uh, but you know, beyond that, it's I ask my client. Do you want how badly do you want this house? So going even going back to other um, past, you know, past spring markets, uh, if a client I've won multi bids and I've lost multi bids and I really defer to my client because I can get really aggressive, you know, and you sit down and what is the agent one? It always typically comes down to price and then ability to perform. So you're seeing a lot more appraisal waivers. And so what that means is, you know, Joy can speak to this is, you know, if you buy something and you're going to mortgage 80 percent of it and uh, the purchase price is 650 and it appraises for, you know, 630, you're going to have to come up with that $20,000 as a buyer to keep the deal together because the seller can just put it back on the market or, uh, you know, go to the buyer, second buyer in line. So you have to it's all you use the word preparation. We pre- I prepare my sellers, and that's a whole different approach. And I work with my buyers along with the, the lender and really preparing them for the process. And even a buyer who is a sophisticated buyer buying an in-town, you know, you're still advising them. You're still working with them. You're asking the questions to find out what is it that they want. Uh, and it's 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 just it's just a, it's you know it's a different course certainly than that first time or trade up buyer who's in that six hundred to eight hundred thousand dollar price point range and is going to open houses where there are thirty to forty groups going through and there are ten offers. And it's frustrating. It's On frustrating. the same day, ten offers immediately yeah. sometimes. So, you know, it's and sellers and <clears throat> seller agents don't always like it either. Because, you know, oftentimes there's sometimes it's always about the ability to perform. So you don't want to write an offer because we have a reputation with the other uh, agents as well. I don't want to bring somebody to the table, write an aggressive offer, and then they have the remorse, the buyer's remorse, and you know, 20 hours, 27 hours, I'm throwing a number out, after the agent has already told the other parties that they didn't win, yeah. uh, your buyer says, you know what, we're not going to take it. Uh, and so, or worse, you get to the point of an inspection, and you're four days into attorney review, or yeah. five days into attorney review, and they pull out. So we always want to avoid that. You know, you want to guide your clients and you want to guide your buyers and obviously defer to them, but you want to get them to a point where you're, they're not pulling out of a deal in the 11th hour. And, and I, my favorite word is expectations. Yeah. All right. And finding out what our clients expect of us, what they expect of themselves, what they want to do with the market. I, I couldn't stress how important it is. And I always go back to, you know, freedom of choice. It's the United States of America. That's what this is. You know, this country is all about is that freedom of choice. But, you know, and it's their money, their home, their everything. You know, all we are is the advisors that let them know the situation that they're in. And then we need to get their advice to help them in the right direction. Is that a fair statement? Or? Sure. And and leverage, you go, we could talk about, you say power. I use the word leverage. But we're where using a, them the same way. Yeah, of course. Where, where a buyer has leverage is if a property is going to say tired. Is what does that mean? Tired, tired meaning below market expectation okay. at a given market price point for finishes, especially. Gotcha. Maybe some features, but particularly, especially finishes, because you know features seven foot ceilings are not desirable. Lack of natural light, not desirable, and 
at every price point, buyers don't want that, especially hmm. in a city like Chicago where we have rain, you know, and cloudy days, far more than sunny days. You have uh, a choice. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, if you have a product, though, that needs maybe updated kitchens and bathroom, you know, surfaces and or refinished floors, painting, light fixtures, cosmetic improvements that can really change and transform the look of a house, you as a buyer have more power or leverage to go in and not have to compete against eight or 10 other buyers because many people, most of the market at every price point, that's why new construction always does so well, they want turnkey. They want it simple. They want it easy. Right. So the more turnkey your product as a seller, the easier and the, the more receptive the market is. When your home or condo is dated and you know feels a little bit dated in the market, a buyer's going to have a more opportunity to negotiate on price and certainly have some breathing room to really th thoroughly consider uh, what the offer is going to entail. Do you help your clients with that? I mean, do oh, you? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Go, yeah. Tell me yeah. how you do that. How do you help them, you know, remodeling? How much to invest? How to tell them, you know, where the price is going to be if we do this, then that? So there you know? are, you know, there are reports and, and guidelines from um, the National Home Builders and um, different associations that can um, give based on history, you know, uh, in terms of return on investment, you know, okay. the value. And so always kitchens and baths, and you're typically going to return, you know, receive a sometimes almost 100% return on your investment, but 70 to 80% return on investment. And I'm speaking very high level, right? And it depends on how long you're going to live there. Okay. So there are a lot of questions that go into it. I think ultimately, too, you said this before, it's your home. This is your this is not only an investment, of course, it's an investment you want to maintain that, but it's also where you live and it's important yeah. that you love it. It's a reflection yeah. of, of who you are. And, Without a doubt. And, and so it's so important to really love your home. And I say this, I want a buyer coming to the table, whether it's an in-town for them uh, or a primary residence and be so excited about buying. And I'm excited when the buyer is not my client, but I represent the seller. I just had a closing and the young lady who was buying my client's condo was so excited, thrilled, talking about the painting oh, she was right. going to do, and that's a good feeling. You it know, is. that's I mean, that's when we've done our job well, right? And and it's it's uh, it's uh, it's one of the reasons I love the business. It's a very personal business, uh, and it's something where we really have a lot of um, I don't want to say power and influence, and we really have to treat that uh, very carefully and uh, safeguard that relationship. You're making me reminisce a little bit. I sold a house in Elmhurst, mm -hmm. you know, back in 2001, and before we sold it, we ended up painting everything. I did some touch-ups, some minor repairs, things okay. that were missing. And then we got to the point where I like this house. I don't want to sell it anymore. It's like, why the hell didn't I do this 10 years ago when we first moved into this house? And then I go back to the cobbler's children don't have any shoes. Yeah, it's funny how many mm -hmm. people have said that. Um, I work with a fabulous uh, gal, her company, she's been around for 25 years called uh, CMFTO, but it's Claudia McLaughlin, and she does a lot of move management services and helping people organize, prepare, edit their homes for selling, for staging. Okay. And sometimes there's a staging to live. So people who embark on that effort yeah. in anticipation of selling will always have that regret of why didn't we do this 10 years ago and live in a more organized, clutter-free home, yeah. removing clutter. It's always the first bit of advice you give any seller is you're going to look at your space and you're going to declutter it 75, 80%, you know? So yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's funny, but getting back to the question you asked me. Yeah. So yeah, ultimately, you know, you work with your clients, you feel them out, then temperature yeah. check. What, what private, what, price point. You also don't want to over-improve. I mean, that's something. You know, we could talk, you, you never, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the call uh, that, you know, the orchard, that's a very unique, it's a special project. It's a unique product. And it's, yeah. it's so, it's such a small niche segment uh, in, in our Chicago marketplace, even for luxury in the Chicago marketplace. Mm -hmm. But if you're buying a condo and you, it's going to be a five to seven year you know, span in which you're going to live there, your family's growing, yeah. getting married, have a baby, or, you know, that's the, that's the trajectory. You're not going to put a Christopher Peacock kitchen, you know, in a $700,000 condo. You're not going to uh, do highly custom, you know, built-ins and, and so right. forth. And I'm saying the obvious, but you can take a step back and still do things that are market appropriate and attractive. And so I have a good design eye. You know, I, I definitely play that role with some of my developer clients and sellers. Right. Uh, and and uh, I have clients who who seek that opinion from me. So I enjoy Why not? It. It's valuable. And you you go, should. Yeah. And it's relationships, though, too. So you have relationships with your lenders, relationships with your inspectors and, and the yeah. like, and lawyers and and. I have relationships with 
designers and um, and other services. You know, we're always providing services for, you know, Katie, I need to put on a new roof or I'm going to install right. some skylights or we need to redo the tile in our bathroom. So we're always a, almost a, a one-stop shop for a lot of resources for our clients. You, know, you talk about construction and stuff like that. It's um, it, There's always three words that we always talk about and that's good, fast, and cheap. You know, so you only get two. You've heard this before because yeah. you're smiling. You know, so good, fast, and cheap, you only get two. So I'm going to assume that you don't get rid of cheap, right? You want good without a doubt and no? Yeah, no, I'm listening. I mean, I'm just listening to All where right. you're going with this. No, so. I was just about what type of, for the roofer, for example, are you going to go with the lowest bid type of roofer? Is that who's in your network that comes in there? Or the contractor, are they higher-end contractors, I guess? That's where I'm it's going. It's a mix. It's, it's a, a mix. mix, right? Again, it's, what are you Freedom selling? Freedom of choice. And, well, and, and, you know, what is this, what is this project for you? If you, are, if you are moving from a two-bedroom condo that you bought 12 years ago, okay. you want to have something that looks good and market-appropriate, but you're not going to, I wouldn't, apply the same level of attention and design choice and you know, finish selection as if I were going to stay there. I so you're you. going to make choices that the market's going to respond to favorably to sell the home for the best price you can as quickly as possible, but you're not going to over-improve it where you're leaving a lot of dollars on the table. So, you know, outdoor space has become so important for people, uh, such a premium. Uh, but I will say this, the, the investment you make in outdoor landscaping and the, you know, you can spend, you can do a roof deck, in Chicago, think of a garage roof deck, and you can spend twenty-five thousand, or you can spend a hundred and fifty thousand. I've seen some master And you're ones, not yeah. going to get that hundred fifty thousand dollars back. It, it's in, in terms of price. No typically. matter where it is. Well, I mean, there's always exceptions, right? Oh, and of oh, course, yeah. and now again, you know, it becomes part of if the house inside is masterfully designed, and then you go out and there's an extension. Um, certainly, I'm I'm saying that with a grain of salt. There's always exceptions. You can't yeah. come across and just have a uh, a one answer response for every situation. But by and large, by and large, you know, this is stuff that doesn't apply as much typically to a typical buyer in Chicago, but new garage doors are a great return on investment. They're cheap. New front doors, buy a wood. I, I, I mean, I could go on, I, I could go on a design show for an hour and just say, my gosh, lighting selection, let Huge. me help you. A front door that for don't buy that a vinyl first entrance, door. First impression. Uh, get a solid, get a solid wood door. Or, you know, there's so many choices that can just make or break a home uh, that are fairly simple and cost effective, but can make a huge difference in terms of the marketability of the project. Joey, you just sold your house recently, right? Uh, well, it's under contract, but yes. Can we talk about it? I mean, how much did you put anything into it, or? Did you just so we and, and he so we we actually did a ton of work assuming that we were going to be here forever because you know that was just the assumption. Uh, my career uh, kind of changed things a little bit, so we didn't really need to do a whole lot of work because we had updated everything already. So the only parts that we didn't update, we just did like light things too, like light fixtures. We added some newer light fixtures in areas just because. To your point, you know, it makes it look a little bit more modern in the areas that we had not yet updated. Um, but no crazy high spending. Uh, and yeah, it just market dictates and it goes quick, you know. And how long was yours on the market before you got a contract on it? Uh, and if this is just... personal, tell me to shut up. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It, 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 we had some offers coming right away. I think uh, it was a week before we just accepted one. So it was quick. It was quick. And in this market, I mean, I don't know what the price point was, but in this market, if you're on the market for a week at a price point that a lot of the market is seeking and you're not having traction, there's something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's and yeah. it's probably price if, you, if the house looks good. So uh, right now, yeah, if, you, if you're priced within the market um, acceptable ram, you know, range and uh, and you get a contract. Uh, you know, I, you know, it's funny. We, we talk a, a lot about this, getting back to some of these trends that we're seeing in Chicago. You Everyone talks about, oh, everybody's moving from Chicago. Everyone's vacating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, certainly what, what I'm seeing, certainly at the upper end, is people are retaining a home in Chicago. And then they, if you have the means, hey, if I had the means to spend, you know, three months and maybe someday I will, three months in a warmer climate, this 
first quarter of January, February, March and have sunshine and uh, a lot more access to the outdoors. Uh, you're seeing, I, I see a lot of uh, the upper market, you know, uh, buyers and sellers in that space where they're spending more time at a second home in Colorado or Wyoming, or of course, Florida, you know, uh, the migration to Florida over the past couple of years, uh, at least for a second home. But certainly, you know, the one of the conversations I have with uh, some of my lender partners and other colleagues is Chicago is still the epicenter of business and culture for the Midwest. So it's funny I, you say that. I've been getting a lot of clients that have businesses in other states, mm-hmm. but their corporate headquarters are moving here. They don't want to leave their homes, so they're buying high-end yeah. condos, yeah. maintenance-free type stuff, yeah. and they're coming here to the Chicagoland area. I'm sorry, I got my yeah, little well, the, ADD jumping. Yeah, no, on the you. lock and leave. I love it. That's <laughs> a, the lock and leave is a nice, uh, uh, you know, a nice feature for for some who's a secondary home. But yeah, so it's important to keep that in mind. And it gets back to we do not have. I I don't see any um, resolution in sight for the fact that we don't have enough supply for these first-time buyers. And in That's a market like Chicago, in the city. We're in Lincoln Park. The average, the you know, the average price points a six hundred thousand dollar condo. You've got people getting married or cohabitating, buying a first place together, and this might be a first place that they're buying and they're spending a million dollars, or they're spending eight hundred thousand dollars, and there's such little inventory. So I don't know how we handle and address that inventory challenge. I don't see that going away. And uh, you, somebody, uh, you asked me, I believe, Char- Charlie, at the uh, onset of the call. How do you handle the inventory issue? And so you're, you have relationships with clients across a lot of different types of homes and, and years of service, and you just keep in touch with them and you feel them out. And you, hey, if this is a time you want to sell, it's a great time to get yeah. your house ready. And sometimes I'm working with clients who are selling two or three years. I mean, not on a regular basis, but keeping in touch and having that conversation so that you're helping them prepare their you know, they're home for market and you're having a mental check of inventory in your head. You've mm-hmm. relationships with other agents and say, wow, there's a new project coming online in six weeks. Let's get a jump on it. So it takes a lot more proactive work to come up with solutions and identify options for clients in a, in a market where inventory is going to remain a challenge. And remaining top of mind mm-hmm. as well. You need to stay in there. But yeah, we don't want to force it too much. I mean, I'm I love messing around on the book of face, all right? Mm-hmm. And I do have a lot of real estate agents that are friends. And sometimes I got to say, I get annoyed when all of a sudden, hey, we got buyers, you know, anybody got sellers and, you know, now's the time to sell, sell, sell. And it's like, well, you know, stop trying to push somebody, you know? It's when they're ready, they're ready, just be there. And I don't know, maybe I'm way off because I'm not a real estate agent, but... Yeah. Tell me, I mean, is that something where you, you do want to nudge people or is that where you want to just sit back and be there for them when they need you? It's a leading question. Uh, it but is. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, some people need a nudge, but nudging on Facebook, it's in, doesn't necessarily. Uh, and that's probably a little bit more of an angle for business development. You know, oh, I'm looking and whether it's effective or not remains to be seen. Depends mm-hmm. on the message and who's conveying it and what their content is and their track record. But um, overall, I think just posting, wow, you know, inventory's low, we need to sell, contact me, isn't probably as effective as just maintaining the relationships and keeping your ears, you know, know, perched for for opportunity. So yeah, this isn't, I mean, again, getting back to it, the inventory issues, you know, some of these markets, that are have land and maybe a, a price point that's a little bit more palatable for builders, you know, land costs that are built, you're seeing so much development. I mean, there's hyper development going on in Nashville, for instance, and I've spoken to clients. A lot of people are going and, that way, I see. Yeah. You know, and so, but there's also a lot of land, you know, that's yeah. relatively cheap. And they could still spread out. And they're spreading out. Without you know. a doubt. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. And what's the neighborhood? Um, I, I can't think of it. I, I want to say Lincoln Square, but that's not it. What's the new neighborhood that they're developing? It's like a triangle area. Oh, you're talking Lincoln Yards. Lincoln Yards. Thank so you. So there's a lot that I don't know. I, you know, that that is on the, you know, that abuts uh, Lincoln Park and Bucktown on the north branch. I'm expecting the really branch. expensive stuff going in there. You don't I think, think so? You're, I, I'm pausing because, I mean, it's changed. And I've, and I've been to some of the development meetings and they've got an office now kind of in that back by Home Depot. Um I think it's changing. You know, I think they probably sell off some of the land and there's going to be um, 
businesses. I mean, things like scientific centers. I mean, they've changed. They've got you know, okay. athletic fields. Uh, obviously, infrastructure is huge. So there's there's a lot of improvement going on in terms of the bridge at Webster. Uh, there's going to be another bridge connecting, going over the river, which is so needed, connecting yeah. East West Lincoln Park to Bucktown. You know, how many of these down. groups are you in? I mean, how do you know, know all this no, stuff? I, just, well, I live, if I don't, if I don't know that, I used to be a, for several years, I was on the neighborhood, uh, the planning committee of the neighborhood group of Sheffield Neighbors, which is a neighborhood within, we talked about submarkets, right, right. a neighborhood within Lincoln Park. Yeah. Um, and so I was in, involved in that. And just the periphery and these aldermen and just being part of the neighborhood and doing what I do. And being involved. Uh, yeah, being involved. But Lincoln Yards is has been evolving and it's going to get evolving for years. Like, I don't know the original story before to sit down with uh, the primary developer of uh, Children's Memorial Hospital, now called Lincoln Common, yeah. and they're on set. They wanted to do higher, you know, more high rises and maybe a hotel. And then they fought the neighborhood. The neighborhood groups fought back for years. It was a struggle. It's going to depress, you know, depress our values. And some of those people are probably renting and or buying it, you know, at the orchard. So it's it's obviously improved the neighborhood. It yeah. has caused more traffic, you know. So you're looking at that saying Lincoln Yards has so many different facets. There's it's a, lot a of traffic there anyway, yeah. though. It's I mean. a yeah. It's a complicated it's a complicated um, development because there's so many aspects to it. I know residential is going to be a part of it. How much? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. So certainly there will be a, you know, for sale component, but there's going to be rental component as well. Joey, do you keep track about where those applications are coming from? Like what neighborhoods or what parts of the city or suburbs are being busier or not busier? So, I mean, it's, you, you can usually get a good idea of where an app is going to be based on the, the, the realtor that sent it to you because sub markets, hyper local markets, um, I, a lot of the realtors that you work with, like they, they really focus on certain areas. Certainly, obviously sometimes you get things that are not necessarily in the areas that they focus on, but, uh, I, I do get an idea, uh, to, to, to Katie's point, like Lincoln park, I, I'm getting condos in Lincoln park and she's absolutely right. Price points up there. Um, that, that, that minimum 600,000, I, I think that kind of holds true. Um, but yeah, but but also I'm 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 a national lender, so I also see a lot of movement in the Fort Myers, Florida area. You know, mm. I see a lot of movement in the Phoenix Valley area. So I, I don't just get to see what's happening in Chicagoland, but I also get to see like I'll call them migratory patterns of buyers right now, and whether it's a second home, wherever whether it's an investment home. Uh, there's a lot of investment going on in Georgia and Alabama right now. Uh, mm. It's just. Yeah, a lot of investors are buying up Georgia uh, and Alabama. Very cheap properties my, yeah. and high rents. One of my inspectors just bought a property down there just for an Airbnb investment, which I thought was really interesting, too. A little log cabin somewhere. That's amazing. There, I didn't even the, think about that part of everything. People moving and and now they're getting into the second home stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it is wild, and and I and I get to see it firsthand. Just uh, and granted, it's 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 completely anecdotal, but uh, I, I I believe I get to see where markets are going, the areas that are going to become more expensive in the near future, just based on you know the the slow climb in applications I get for these areas. So other than I'm just curious, because the national because it is interesting because there is there's so much you know I. I like I've, I've shared this with uh, with friends recently is I have a sister who has a home in Austin, um, big family, bought a home. She's lived there for years. Uh, they're in some development, I want to say by Lake Travis, probably spent $900,000 on the home three years ago. We did a master bath. There's a lovely yep. home pool. They had it appraised for it appraised for one point eight five million. Uh, wow. In, in so, Texas. In Austin. Yeah. Austin. And, and so that's being flooded. Particularly Austin. Yeah. Austin is. Exactly what it is. Yes. Californians are coming out. They're being priced out and, you know, they're coming to Austin. Interesting. So Chicago, again, we, we don't we don't have, you know, there are agents and I could go we go in so many different angles of, of speaking about business development and, and the markets and everything. There are agents who come to Chicago expressly where they're best lead generation is from agents because our clients are buying second homes 
and or moving to warmer climates or something the sun belt and like in terms uh, certainly out west you know for lifestyle you know changes we're not getting that as much in chicago getting back to your some of your friends who are maintaining businesses here in chicago there is we have a more educated workforce and i'm going to misquote this but i want to say per capita more educated college educated people in the city than like in the east coast uh it's it's a very educated workforce people are hard working midwest Mm -hmm. you've got a lot of michigan alum and you know from all these midwestern schools who come to chicago and that's not going to change we're so so we have we really have a lot going for us it's you know it's it's again getting back to trying to uh uh solve uh an ongoing issue regarding inventory that is amazing i'm going to take a little bit of a break because we are getting towards the end of the hour right now and i do want to go around the horn one more time so one of our co-hosts who's not here i want to give him a shout out vince Riccio. The Riccio Law Offices, his phone number is 312-263-0010. Um, and it's reallawchicago.com is his business name. Our business is Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Our website is thehomeinspectors.com. And it's T-H-E, I hate my horrible Chicago accent that comes in there. And it's plural, O-R-S, and it's a .com. Our phone number is 312-544-9180, and we have people 24-7 to answer their phone from you. Joey, if you don't mind. Yep, Joey Matthews, world's okayest mortgage dude at the Federal Savings Bank. <laughs> Cell phone is 630-235-2405. I'm always open to calls or texts. Uh, I always get back right away because I'm a little bit nuts. You are a lot of bit nuts. Don't let me go across that. And Katie, please, one more time about your your business number, contact info. Firstly, Joey, thanks for the new word, okayist. I like that. I'm going to use that a lot today. Uh, I love it. I love it. Katie O'Leary, katieo'learycollection.com, and uh, my cell phone. And I'm always reachable by text and phone as well. If I'm not, I'll get back to you. 773-710-4202. Really focus on the Lincoln Park market and surrounding neighborhoods. So delighted to be of help. Throw in another little plug for your brother-in-law's business, please. I will do so. He'll love it. So I love my I love I love supporting uh, small business, new businesses, and the like. My brother-in-law is the owner of Bang Bang Pie, which is uh, a legacy brand. I would say in Logan Square, uh, he certainly has just an uh, amazing following, and uh, I love supporting him when I can. So Bang Bang Pie on California in Logan Square, great That's place real- to go. That's real close mm-hmm. to where my stepdaughter lives. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny, this whole show, you know, I, I keep thinking of Noel right now. And she's on an airplane heading off to Austin. She lives in Logan Square. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like everything is going back to focusing on her and everything's doing terrific. Um, Joey, give me a short little spiel about somebody entering the mortgage brokerage business. You know how I like to end it, you know, but give me some no, yeah. different. So <laughs> new and different. I mean, I, I always hammer the guidelines. Uh, I know relationships you do. are huge. Never, never, never overpromise, underdeliver. Never, ever, ever, Amen. ever, 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 ever. Amen. And Katie, same question. You want to help a new real estate entrant entering the business, a real estate agent entering the business? What's your big bonus words? Is you know success leaves clues. If there's a business model you like, follow what that model is, learn from it, work with them, and or at least study it, be a, a student and study what is successful. And I'm a big believer in focusing niche, in real estate being niche, understanding what you, you know, who your clientele is and serving them and always improving. I love it. And I wish everybody, if you're not watching on Facebook Live, you know, I always have the luxury of having somebody sit across from me. And to see the confidence when they spew that is amazing. All right. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff I give super credit to. Um, as far as entering the home inspection business, and we are still training home inspectors, uh, we do have a class starting up in JJC. And again, the name of our business is going to be Chicagoland Home Inspectors. And the best advice I could give to new home inspectors is learn your stuff. All right. There's a whole lot to go on to construction that we need to know everything that we're talking about and be as accurate professional as possible. You've been listening to the Home Buyers Hour. I want to give a special thank you to Devin Tingle. He's our producer. And make sure to listen to his show at the Sports Chronicle on Sunday evenings. And that is it. Charlie's out.